Pastor Tommy, are you ready? Yes, ma'am. He's so ready. He's going to come and preach. You can welcome him from home. That could be fun. We could all clap at home and say, yay. <laughs> that's good. That's good. That's good. Thank you, Pastor Cassie. <laughs> that's awesome. She's great. That was really, really good. And I am energized now to share with you what I feel God has given me in this particular time. John started a series last week um, entitled Trusting God in Time of Crisis. Trusting God in Times of Crisis. Um, obviously, we've had crisis before. I'm sure in your own individual life, you've experienced some type of crisis. So we're not necessarily um, foreign to the idea of crisis. They happen. And we just happen to be in one together, all of us, which is interesting because sometimes um, when crises occur, it's usually in your own little world, your own little neck of the woods, and you go through that thing in your head, I don't know if you do, but I have, where you're like, I'm the only one that's going through this? Woe is me. No one is facing this death, you know, like I have with my family or this loss of a job that I may have or loss of a relationship. And you go through that thing where you feel like, am I by myself? Well, the devil can't use that on you in this particular time because we're all in it. And I believe we all will get through it. Uh-huh. Well, before I even get started, I want to say that as a rule, I don't want you to think, because sometimes it's, as a preacher, you, we, we get the um, stereotype of, you know, faith, 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 and you don't understand reality, you don't understand what we're in and what we're dealing with. Well, I want to say that I've always practiced a little social distance <laughs> and have always practiced a little, uh, what do you call it, um, hand sanitizer and germaphobic, you may call me a little of that. I've always done that in my house. You'll find soap on every sink. You'll find bleach, Clorox, you know those white Clorox that you buy? It's on my toilet. So if you use the restroom... It's a sign unto you that you need to wipe after yourself <laughs> as you leave. My sister will tell you, you've been in my house lately? Yeah. Do I have that on the toilet? I always have. Because I feel that, you know, clean up behind yourself because I got to come after you. And so this isn't something that is foreign to me or new. Whenever I go out to eat with guests or friends, I know people think I'm strange because as soon as we go in the restaurant, I go to the restroom. And if anybody ever been with me, they'll know like, oh, yeah, he does do that. Well, I'm not doing it because I always got to go. It's because I need to wash my hands before I sit down and have whatever I'm having, dinner or lunch. So I agree with these things. And I think that these practices are good for us. So I'm not so in the cloud as a preacher of faith to not realize that good practices is good period for us. So with that being said, now I do, I am a preacher, so I do have to share with you what I feel God is saying to us in this particular hour. 
Uh-huh. I want to start by using an example that came to me um, when I was preparing for this message. It's a very interesting example. I wanted to start, it, start with it because it kind of lays the foundation of really the meat of this particular sermon. And I thought it would be good. I'm a, rather, I'm, I'm, I'm a type of person who likes visuals. So I thought it would be good for you to see exactly what I'm trying to convey to you today. So the example is a clipping from the Lion King movie. And it was one of my favorite movies as it, when it came out. I guess I wasn't a kid. I was going to say when I was a kid, but I wasn't a kid when it came out. Oh, but <laughs> it was really good. And I liked it then. I thought it was well written. And so there's a particular scene in there when Simba was in his, he was in a crisis, so to speak. And he felt as if his father, Mufasa, yeah, had left him or wasn't with him. And he even cried out, you said you'd always be there for me. And he had a moment where Mufasa visited him. Now, don't think that that's strange because Christ, Jesus Christ, even had a moment on the cross. Don't you remember? And he said, God, why have thou forsaken me? Why have thou forsaken me? He had that same type of moment. You may be experiencing such a moment. And you're wondering, God, where are you in this particular hour? Not that I never thought that you was ever there for me, but right now, I'm wondering, where are you? Let's play the clip.
<laughs> Remember who you are. So I'm going to steal that line um, as my subtitle. Remember who you are. In this time, remember who you are. That's important. Let's pray for a moment. Father God, we thank you for this hour. We thank you for this opportunity to share. Bless us, God, as we hear what the Spirit has to say to the church. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, remembering who you are, like you say, well, I know who I am. I'm a father, as if you are in my position. I know that I'm a taxpayer. <laughs> I know that I'm African-American. I live in America. What do you mean? That's who I am. Those things may be true, but when I confessed that Jesus was Lord over my life, I then also became a follower of Christ. And becoming a follower of Christ came or come with some responsibilities. And sometimes in the scheme of life, um, we forget some of those duties or calls. And we get all entangled with the cares of this life. But God... When he saved me and I joined with him and him with me, um, I became a representative of him and who he is and what he wants me to be on earth. Now, over in 2 Chronicles, uh, 2 Corinthians, rather, it tells us, 2 Corinthians 5.20, exactly what we are or should be here on earth. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. Aha. Uh -huh. To be reconciled to God. I don't know about you, but my interpretation of that particular passage is reminding me that as a follower of Christ, number one, I'm an ambassador. I'm a representative. And my or one of my duties is always to be pulling people or pointing people back to God. That's a part of my duty as an ambassador. Of Christ. I looked up the word ambassador, the definition of it, and it reads a person who acts as a representative or promoter of a specific activity. It specifies, this is a particular one. A representative or a promoter. Uh huh. So I believe that. As an ambassador of Christ here on earth, there are certain things that I should be promoting as a believer, as a follower. And sometimes because we get caught up in our own world, in our own circumstances, our own situations, we forget or even our own crisis, such as what happened with Simba. 
There was some stuff happening in his particular world that was causing him to lose sight on his purpose. As we are having or dealing with now, again, it isn't that we don't individually have crisis and deal with different situations or haven't, rather. But currently, for some odd reason, we're all going through it together at this moment. But it is a crisis. So then I would petition those who have confessed that Jesus is Lord of your life. I want to remind you that you have a duty. You have a purpose. And your duty is to be an ambassador of Christ. To push and point people back to God. Not when it's only convenience to you. It is always my duty to push them back, point them back to God. Uh-huh. Well, so one of the things that I feel that we should be promoting right now as ambassadors is the spirit of hope. We should be promoting the spirit of hope. Now, the Bible says that the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But I come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. The thief is trying to steal our hope. And reason why some of our hope is sort of walking away is <laughs> because you had your hope in the wrong places. You have began, or some of us, have began building our hope in things of this world. We had hope in government. We had hope in our money, hope in our degrees, hope in our accomplishments. Now all of that is being challenged. And now you can really, or you're being made to see where your hope really lies. Our hope should be in Christ. Now, we pray for government. We achieve things. We go to school. We make money. But our hope don't supposed to rest in those things. So these crises or situations sometimes serve as a reminder to us where our hope really should be. Uh-huh. And so... Remember, we pray for government and all those things. We like those people, and I'm sure they want us to pray for them <laughs> right now. They're doing their job, but you should be doing yours as well. Now, hope in the English translation usually means wishful type of thinking. But this is not the hope I'm referring to in this particular case that we promote. Now, in the Hebrew translation, which is from the Bible, that should, it translates, or it means, rather, um, to be confident, have trust. It's like an assurance policy, guarantee. In Tommy's translation, it means a guaranteed return. What do you mean by that, Tommy? If I invested my trust... I'm looking for God to deliver victory for me. That's what hope really means to me 
when I'm, or rather what I'm promoting to you. When there's hope in Christ. Another thing we should be promoting is faith. That should be the number one thing because people can't see this God that we're talking about. So we have to convince them to believe. Now Hebrews says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So we have to promote faith so that people would believe. Aha. Uh-huh. We, in promoting faith, you're getting them to also believe that all things can work together for the good. That don't always make sense. And some people say, you know, some, you know, smart people, they always think they're very smart. We're going to always have smart people. Don't ever think we're going to get rid of the smart addicts. They're going to always be with us. God bless them. And we're so grateful for them. <laughs> we're going to always have smart people. I'm looking at my... Pastor Mike, I love him so much. (laughs) He is very smart, by the way. So, (laughs) just visit his Facebook posts sometimes. But anyway, they may challenge me and say, well, all things are not always good, Tommy, no matter how you look at it. I may agree with you to that to a certain degree because... Sometimes good is not measured, rather I want to share with you, sometimes good is not measured by what you think is good. You should always measure it by your own opinion. What do you mean by that? Well, now raw vegetables is good for you, but they don't always taste good. But they're good for me. Situations that sometimes occur may not feel good, but it doesn't mean that it's not good for me. The situation we're currently in does not feel good, it's not convenient. But now, well, let's think about it. It may not be a bad idea for us in some cases. I know there's consequences and and people are... And right now we stop and pray for those that are having financial difficulties and situations that keep arising. I know that that's challenging. But then sometimes that could be a moment where you reflect on what's actually really valuable to you. Where you can go to God. Where you can get back connected to those that really matters. It may not feel good. But it may be good for us, for those who have, are usually kind of greedy and always taken. Now I got to think now, maybe I need to share a little bit now. Maybe now that I see the individual who's struggling every day, I didn't know people live like that. One thing that I didn't realize, I don't know where I was or why I didn't because I usually pay attention to everything. I did not know so many kids depended on their meals from school every day. I guess because my sons are greedy and I make sure they eat. (laughs) If it's the last thing I do, I didn't realize that there was other kids in society that they depend on their school meals. I said, well, now ain't this strange. My compassion went 
up concerning that area. That's what I mean. May not necessarily be a good for those kids to be going through that, but it brought more awareness to those who didn't know. And maybe we'll be a little bit more compassionate and want to share. Or if you're in a position to share, maybe somebody will to help in these areas. Vegetables don't always taste good, but man, they're good for you. That's what I mean. All things still can work together for the good. As believers, it's our job to promote faith in these particular areas. That's right. Well, now I think it's a moment for a vulnerable time with Pastor Tommy. Those of you that are Mercy Vineyard goers, you know I do this every now and then. Um, I have my vulnerable moments with Pastor Tommy. So, I got up maybe a week or so ago, and I was not feeling well. That night before, I was up all night with body aches and stuff, and this was strange. So I called my doctor. Well, no, I called John first, Marson, and I said, um, well, I'm not going to be able to come in. I don't think I'm... And he said, well, are you going to go to the doctor? I said, oh... I hadn't thought about that, but okay, I guess I need to. We thank God for wise men in our lives and women, you know, because I'm young and I'm thinking, what you mean going to the doctor? But right away, he said, you're going to go to the doctor. Thank God for the people with some sense. But anyway, so I said, well, I guess I should. So I called my doctor and he, man. Because of all that's going on, they're telling me, get you a mask. And yeah, you, you need to come down here, but get all these things before you even get there. I said, whoa, they act like I got the plague or something. What's going on? And I knew what was going on, but it didn't feel good while I was in that position. So I'm driving, and this particular morning, it was all dark and co- outside in the rain. I said, Lord, have mercy. I'm, do- I'm driving down to this doctor thinking I got this particular s- situation of, of the virus. And I'm thinking, well, God, this doesn't feel good. And fear started to grip my heart, thinking, do I really have it? Yeah. So I had that discussion with myself if I did. And as I drove on down there, got into the hospital, got to the hospital, couldn't find a mask nowhere. I said, listen, I can't find no mask or y'all just going to have to give me what you got when I get there. Well, they said, we got them. We just wanted you to get one because we run it out of them. I said, oh, okay. Well, if you want me to come in here, I'm coming. They said, well, come on in. Sat down there and the nurse come in with the space suit on. I said, Lord, have mercy. This is really scaring me. <laughs> She's got the space suit. She's nervous. Her words are fumbling. I said, well, my God, I guess they think I really got this. And so then the doctor came in afterwards and he had on a mask, but he didn't have on the space suit. So he made me feel a little better. I said, oh, okay, maybe he thinks I'm okay. <laughs> He even shook my hand. I said, now that was wrong for him to do, but (laughs) but maybe he thinks I'm okay. So they did all their tests and did what they had to do. 
And but as I was sitting there, I believe the Lord was trying to remind me. He said, now, wait a minute. I said, God, I'm subject to these people, right? I feel like I am. He said, no, you're not. You got to remember who you are. First of all, if it's my will for you to get out of here, you'll get out of here. But if it's not, I'm still a healer. I'm still a deliverer. And you're going to be well. Your hope is not in what they say. Your hope is in me. Remember that. After he talked to me like that, I got very excited and encouraged. And I didn't feel fear anymore. I didn't feel that no more. I wasn't afraid no more. No matter what they had to say to me, I wasn't afraid. I then, after I was left and I'm fine, I began to see on the news footage, the different ones that have recovered from this. And their stories were so similar. I thought, this is strange. Now, you can take away from it what you will, but this is what I heard. They were sharing one guy who didn't even look like he was really a believer, but the doctors was telling him, hey, do you know how to pray? Because there's nothing else we can do for you. And he said, what? Pray? Y'all supposed to fix me. And he said, there's nothing else we can do for you. So I guess he prayed. I don't know what. But he said he did something. And immediately he started to feel better. He started to recover. Another guy from a whole other part of the country you know, he's one of those that works on, look like he's a farmer. And I'm thinking he ain't really got no faith in God like this. But he said he was sick. And really was down to just really thinking it was over for him. And he said, he prayed one night. He said the doctor left this room and he prayed. He said on TV, God came in the room and healed me. And the next day, I started feeling better to the point he came on home. I said, well, now this is interesting. Take away from it what you will. I feel at the end of the day, as believers, it is our duty to promote faith. The reason why, because God holds us responsible if you don't believe that, he always does. Go with me to, come with me rather to 2 Chronicles 7.14. It reads, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and will heal their land. Note, if my people. He didn't say, if the world. Did y'all read that? I have a few people in the audience. You know I love audience's participation. Now, did y'all read the same thing I read when it said, if my people? Now, did it say, if the world? Who are, did it say that? Now, I've been to school, Pastor Cassie is a teacher, Explain to me, now when someone says, if my, 
Is that different than saying, if the world? It's different. He didn't say, if the world that are called by my name. Evidently, he leaves a responsibility on who he considers his people. Now, whoever he considers his people, that's up to him. But if you are following him and confessing that he's your Lord, I would assume that you're a part of that crowd or that group. He said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, turn from their wicked ways, seek my face, what else they got to do? Is that, did I get it all in there? Then I will hear from heaven and I will heal, forgive their sins and heal their land. Beloved, as far as God is concerned, now I can't decide what the government's going to do and everybody else, the doctors and all of that, all we can do is pray for them right now. But as far as people that are confessing that Jesus is Lord, the requirement that I hear God is saying that, listen, seek me. If you haven't done all these other things, you should be trying to seek me. I've already made it easy for you to do that. You have, God, what have you done? I didn't cause you to be in a place where the distractions are cut off. Usually, you're like, yeah, Lord, I'm going to seek you. I pray today. But let me finish this. I got to go over here to meet this person at the restaurant. Oh, I got to work late hours. I got to do this. I got to do that. But you ain't got to do none of those things or some of those things. You have time and opportunity to seek his face well God you sure you want us to do that what else do you have to do or what else can you do so I implore you as an ambassador to remember who you are as a believer <laughs> and See, have you done this particular or these particular requirements? Why? Because God is looking to you to seek him. I'm going to say this and about the close. I went before the Lord maybe a week, uh, three or four days ago. And I was, going, I was asking him, you know, about the sermon, what to say. And I went in there with... You know, thinking that I already knew what he may want me to say. Excuse me. You know, we always think we know. I know. I got the answer. Well, most of us do. We think we know. Especially America. God bless us. We think we know. Until it comes to something like this and we're like, well, what are we going to do? But we're going to act like we know until we <laughs> figure it out. Anyway, I went to before the Lord. And he was saying to me, or the impression that I got, rather, he didn't say nothing, but the impression that I got, I thought he was just going to be very encouraging and tell me everything's going to be all right. Everything's going to be all right. Everything's going to be, oh, all right. Do, do, do. All right. Oh, all right. Oh, all right. Yeah, all right. All right. All right. 
I said, all right, all right, all right. Everything's going to be all right. I thought I was going to walk away with that feeling because that's what I usually do when I go before the Lord. And I, don't, and I do believe everything's going to be all right. But first, he said, I want you to know that I have, I am trying to say something. I said, oh. He said, no, I don't want you to dance over this. I don't want you to clap over this, shout over this, and miss what I'm trying to say. I said, okay. I got a little scared. I said, well, God, can I clap eventually? Eventually, <laughs> you can clap. But I don't want you to miss the message of what I'm trying to convey in this particular time. I said, oh. So I was really trying to convince him. <laughs> I don't know who I thought I was. I was trying to convince him, well, Lord, ain't it going to be all right? <laughs> he said, it's going to be all right, but I don't need you to miss the message. Share the message. And when he brought to me 2 Chronicles, I didn't want to share that particular passage. I've heard it preached so many times, and it seemed like an ideal to say during this thing, to say during this time, just because it fits the sermon. And, uh, and I was trying to avoid it. But then the Lord said, no, go back. Do what I told you to do. And I said, well, God, this is your world. It ain't mine. So I'll do what you say. Beloveds, it is our duty to first seek him and do these things he's calling us to do. And then we'll get to all of the praising and worship like we're finna do in a moment. We can still worship him, but what the worship should do be doing for us is pulling us in his presence so that we're seeking more of him, more from him. Hallelujah. Okay, praise God. They're telling me something. Amen. While I'm trying to tell y'all something about God, they're telling me something. Amen. And I think I got it. Praise the Lord. But Amy, you guys come up. And so at this time, we're going to enter into a time of worship. Oh, just Amy. Amen. Oh, that's what you're trying to tell me. Amy is going to do it on her own. What does it say? Praise God. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Praise God. Amen. Grant, come and lift that sign up for me again because it's falling. Amen. <laughs> We're going to end with communion, so there won't be worship. We're going to post the worship later, beloveds. And we're going to end with communion and just, and the prayer breakout. So at any given moment, um, doing this communion and this song, um, you could click on Zoom, and if you want prayer, you can receive prayer. And they're doing it in separate rooms. So whatever you want to say to them, it'll be in confidence. And you can receive prayer. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Thank you, Jesus. Yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, God. Thank you, Lord. Father, we praise you now. We honor you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you're doing. We don't have all the answers, but one thing we're coming to the conclusion of is that you are the answer. And if we, if we seek you, we'll find all of the mysteries. We'll get direction. We'll understand what to do better. Hallelujah. Jesus, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, oh Jesus, Jesus, oh Jesus, Jesus, Lord, your silence, fear, Jesus, oh, oh, oh. Jesus. Your silence fears. We'll know about Jesus. You. Oh, Jesus. Oh. Oh. Your name. Sing that part. Your name. Your name not be overcome. Your name come. Your name Oh Lord. Oh, your name. Not be overcome. Your name, oh, oh, your name. Not be overcome, Jesus, Jesus. You make the darkness tremble, Jesus. Oh Jesus, oh Jesus, oh Lord, oh Jesus, Jesus. I want you to prepare if you're at home or wherever you're at to get your communion at this time. Even if you're here, we're going to take communion together. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Let it rain. Rain. Oh, Lord. Oh.
Yes. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty five. in the same way after supper he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Father God, we thank you again for this time, this opportunity, and we're remembering you, and that's why we commune and take communion. But in this, we're also going to remember who we are, our purpose, and God, your purpose in our lives. You're the hope giver. And God, we know heaven hasn't closed down. Heaven is not out of business or said, well, we can't let, we can't take no prayer requests and all of these things. No, heaven's not doing that. Heaven is still open for business. Remember that. Heaven is still open, beloveds. Let's reach, let's seek God in Jesus' name.